Welcome to Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom, stuff the rest of the media is not talking about. This is news for the third full week of March 2019. I'm your host, Brian Sussman. Coming up in this edition, why is this a big deal? Certain evangelical churches are trying to toss the Old Testament. What's up with that? Speaking of church, if you attend church, is the 30 to 45 minute lecture still effective? Also, censorship alert, the Motion Picture Association is doing its best to keep people from viewing a powerful pro-life film entitled Unplanned. I'll explain that. And also, censorship alert part two, Twitter, Facebook, Google. Are they guilty of so-called shadow banning of conservative thought? And if so, can the government set them straight? You'll find out. And the politically illiterate population in the United States of America. This one's disturbing. Anyway, let's dive right in. I'm glad you're with me. By the way, all of these stories can be found at my blog, briansussman.com. All right, let's begin with this one. The Annenberg Public Policy Center surveyed over 1,000 American adults. And you'll be surprised, stunned, amazed, disheartened by this one. Ready? 37% of those surveyed, these 1,000 American adults, 37% couldn't name a single right endowed by the First Amendment. I'll read the First Amendment to you in just a moment. They couldn't pick out one. 37%. 48% of those surveyed were able to identify freedom of speech as being in the First Amendment. But after that, only 15% freedom of religion. 14% identified freedom of the press, 10% right of peaceful assembly, the right to petition the government, 3%. That's it. That's disturbing. Oh, and how about this? 48%, 48% of those surveyed were able to identify freedom of speech. Now think about that. If there's, and maybe that only goes to show you because we have all of these young people today that want to silence opposing points of view. They don't want you to have your right to speak on their campus. They don't want to hear what you have to say on Twitter, Facebook, and Google, and therefore they're happy with the so-called shadow banning that's going on, when in, in fact everybody should be in uproar about that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But getting back to this survey from Annenberg, Let me go to what the actual text of the First Amendment reads. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. This is a big deal. Now, were all the founders Orthodox Christian men? No, they weren't. I'll I'll talk about that in just a moment. But they understood that this country was uniquely founded on biblical principles. And they understood that certainly the majority of people in this country, if not all, except for these about 2,500 Jewish people that were around when this was drafted, uh, they were all, quote-unquote, Protestants. They were all identifying as Christian. So Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So that's what was boiled down from this. Uh, This is what James Madison originally proposed. James Madison, if anything, he was a deist. He believed in God, 
but he wasn't a practicing Christian per se. He was a he was a, a man of great integrity. He was a man of character. But at the same time, he was not one that went to church. Let's just put it that way. Here's what he wrote. This was the original draft for the First Amendment. The civil rights of none shall be abridged on account of religious belief or worship. Nor shall any national religion be established. Nor shall the full and equal rights of conscience be in any manner or on any pretext infringed. The people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak, to write, or to publish their sentiments. And the freedom of the press, as one of the great bulwarks of liberty, shall be inviolable. The people shall not be restrained from peaceably assembling and consulting for their common good, nor from applying to the legislature by petitions or remonstrances for the redress of their grievances. You know, it's interesting. I'm struck as I read this. The freedom of the press. What Madison said, the freedom of the press is one of the great bulwarks of liberty. You have to have a free press. And isn't it interesting? We've, we've moved into an era where if certain people don't like what you're saying, they want to cut you off. For example, I'm looking at many of the websites that have been absolutely hammered by these social media titans. Alex Jones. Listen, I've been on Alex Jones's program in the past. Uh, sometimes he's wildly wrong. And sometimes he's so far ahead of the curve and spot on, it's unbelievable. But why should the man's viewpoints, why should his beliefs be cut off by the social media titans? It's his right to speak. It's his right to publish. It's his right to think. You know, you have a right to property in this country. When, when the Constitution talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness— or I should say when the Declaration talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, what they meant was, the founders meant, pursuit of happiness is also the pursuit of property. It's the freedom for you to own property. And that property is both material and intellectual, what's between your ears. What's between your ears is your property. Now, you may be way off base. Your theory on this, that, or the other could be completely off the charts. But you're allowed to think it, and you're allowed to speak it. A lot of you listening to this podcast know where I stand on human-caused global warming. Guess what? For those who have an opposing point of view, I have no problem with you speaking out, writing papers, doing presentations, putting together YouTube videos. If you want to go there, that's fine. But I have the right to argue with you on these particular topics. We could say the same thing about uh, God and which God is real and, and which God is fake. Which documents are, are for, for real in terms of, uh, you know, religious documents, Bible versus Quran, etc. We can have that debate. We should be allowed to have that debate. And that's what our founders wanted. But nowadays we've moved into this realm where people, they don't want to hear it. And like little babies, they put their hands over the ears and yang, 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 make noise so they, so they drown you out. Listen. Thomas Jefferson is the guy who crafted the Declaration of Independence. He was hardly an Orthodox Christian. Um, he believed in some type of vague, distant deity. He believed there was a God. So when he wrote the Declaration and he talked about nature's God and a creator and providence 
everyone there, all the delegates, and by the way, many of those delegates were pastors. These were pastors of what would have been evangelical churches back in their day. They understood that he was referring to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew he was talking about the biblical God, a God who is active in the affairs of men and of nations. Jefferson acknowledged this. Whether he practiced it on a daily basis, certainly he didn't publicly, but he acknowledged this. He was what they call a deist. The Constitution says little about God or religion, and that was purposeful. And I'll suggest the reason why the Constitution is godless. Simply put, the founders, in my opinion, were creating a national government for a very few limited purposes. They didn't want the government to be active in the affairs of men and women in this country. They wanted it out of the lives. That was one of the demands of all the people in the various states. Okay, we're going to have this federal government keep them out. Prove to us you're going to keep them out. That's what this, this Constitution was all about especially the Bill of Rights. So the federal government was not to be concerned about those types of issues. And that's why they're not addressed in the Constitution. The First Amendment merely enforces this understanding, especially with respect to faith. Congress has no power to establish a national church or restrict the free exercise thereof. So the founders of this republic were influenced by Christian ideas in significant ways. There's no doubt about that. I mean, for example, their faith taught them that humans were sinful. I mean, James Madison even wrote about this in uh, Federalist Paper number 51. Quote, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. If angels were to govern men, neither external or internal controls on government would be necessary. These people firmly believe that God ordained moral standards and that legislation should be made in accordance with these standards. Boy, help tell that to the, the liberal atheists today that are in places of power in this country. So moral laws took precedent, precedence over human laws. This is what they believed. And Americans' founders also believed that they were created in the image, image of God. And part of this means that humans can be reasonable and are, are to be reasonable. And so that, this led the founders to conclude that we as a people can order our public lives together through politics rather than force. And by the way, um, that is also one of the reasons that helped inform early Americans and certainly uh, a little bit later to... To oppose slavery. So that's that's the understanding I have of our Constitution. And when we start to drift away and you get to a point where people don't even know what's in the First Amendment, folks, we are in serious trouble. Serious trouble. And I believe that's by design. But I'll move on and talk about Hollywood. The Motion Picture Association of America. You know, um, they don't mind slapping PG-13 labels on movies with sex and language, violence, right? I mean, you, you see a PG-13 nowadays and sometimes your jaw drops and say, what? Are you kidding me? And let's be realistic, PG-13, you got nine-year-olds in there. Does anybody really keep track of this stuff? But the sex, the language, the violence. However, when it comes to a film that is above board, when it comes to morality 
uh, boy, they slapped this one on the chin because, because of the so-called sacred right of abortion. Yeah, they gave this one an R rating. It's the movie Unplanned. It's the true story about a former Planned Parenthood worker. Um, and this is a very, very powerful movie. It's a pro-life movie made in a pro-choice town. And they gave it an R rating, and this is pure politics. So how do we defeat this one, my friends? Well, this is real easy, isn't it? You're going to go see this movie. We've got to support these movies. When these types of films come out, uh, we need to be there, and we need to make sure that we tell others to be there as well. Uh, now, Hollywood insists the film, well, 18 and older only, yes, rated R, uh, because there were some disturbing images, disturbing images, disturbing images, uh, maybe a, a woman giving birth. Well, there's that bit of censorship, and then there's this larger bit of censorship, and this has to do with Facebook, Google, Twitter. Listen, there is a wonderful website. In fact, some of the stories that I, I come up with on my, that you find on my blog, I read over at WorldNet Daily. And uh, the WorldNet Daily stories end up giving me, you know, brainwaves are firing. And I think, wow, this would be a great commentary. And I do give them credit when credit is due. But WorldNet Daily is put together by a friend of mine, Joseph, uh, Joseph Farah. And this is a spectacularly successful website. I've seen their, their numbers, you know, the, the amount of unique visitors they have, viewers they have, people engaging with their product. And they do, Joseph Farah considers that to be a Christian website, by the way. They talk about a lot of different things, but they're, they look at the world through a Christian lens, a biblical lens. And as such, they are the largest, the most popular Christian website in the world. So one would think they'd be making lots of money. It's very complicated to describe this, but the way ads sell on the internet, it's all done through Facebook and it's all done through Google. Those two entities are controlling ad revenue. And those two entities have done an unbelievable job at marginalizing the ad revenue that WorldNet Daily is able to receive. And as a result, WorldNet Daily is, well, they're just not doing as well financially as they were even a year ago. It's, it's amazing. So what's happening right now? A lot of people are very critical of Google and Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the Supreme Court has agreed. Not, nobody's talking about this. This is what I love about this hidden headlines opportunity. These are stories I don't even talk on my own secular radio show because I start getting into the weeds and I don't want to do that on a secular show. Not everyone listening to the secular show is interested to the stuff that you guys are listening to on hidden headlines. But the Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case that could determine whether users of Facebook, Google, Twitter, etc. can challenge these social media companies on free speech grounds. This is a big one. It's the Manhattan Community Access Corporation versus Halleck. It, it centers on whether a private operator of a public access television network is considered a state actor and can be sued for First Amendment violations. So this case could have broader implications for social media and other media outlets, which I think is great. So that could shape the ability of companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google to control the content on their platforms. And trust me when I tell you, 
Google, Facebook, Twitter, these are giants. The, the First Amendment, we're just talking about the First Amendment. It, it's meant to protect citizens against government attempts to limit speech. There are certain situations in which private companies can be subject to First Amendment liability. So I get it. Facebook, Google, Twitter, they're all private companies. They're all private companies. However, however, uh, courts in California and New Jersey have weighed in on the issue, finding that the social media companies don't constitute state actors subject to the First Amendment liability. So with that, you're saying, ah, darn, they're, they're, there's no way we can beat these guys. However, there may be, there may be because this court going, this uh, case going before the Supreme Court could change all of that. It could change all of that greatly. We've had an uproar from conservatives. I would say that uproar has reached fever peach, right? A fever pitch at this point in time. And a lot of it has to do with Jack Dorsey of Twitter saying, we do not shadow ban according to political ideology or viewpoint or content, period. That's what he has said. But we do know that there's shadow banning going on. And we do know that content is being squelched. I can give you a case in point. Um, this, we, we tested this on the radio. And I've heard from many people who have, uh, have responded accordingly. Some people, to get on my Twitter, some people will follow me on Twitter. And then suddenly I will disappear from their Twitter feed. And the only way they're able to see me on their Twitter feed again is by re-following me on Twitter. Now, some of my critics would say, well, you're really putting yourself on a big platter. What do you have? 6,000 Twitter followers? I've had virtually the same amount of Twitter followers since 2012. It hasn't changed. I joined in 2009. Um, Lickety split, I had thousands. And then suddenly it's just been flat ever since. Now, why do you think that would be? Well, my goodness, do you think it could be because I host the only live and local conservative talk show in San Francisco where Twitter's located? Is that possible? I think it's possible. I think it's likely. I think they are shadow banning me. But right now it's their sandbox. I hope that there's an opportunity for the Supreme Court to move in the right direction on this one. And I'm hoping, and I'm hoping, <laughs> extraneous sound, and I'm hoping that this can be turned around because what they're doing, they, they own a significant part of media bandwidth. And one would think they would respect that privilege, but instead they're abusing that privilege. And as a result, they're minimizing important voices that should be heard in the court of public opinion. And I would think that I'm one of those voices and you're one of those voices. So this is a very, very important battle that's being fought. And I'm, I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that this Supreme Court is going to move in a direction in which this will open things up for conservative thought on these various platforms. Speaking of which, speaking of which, I, I'm very concerned about something happening in America, and I guess I'm concerned because I'm a Jewish guy who believes in the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There's yet another story about this. We talked about this on an earlier edition of Hidden Headlines, but this is in Decision Magazine, 
which is from the Billy Graham Association. The headline is Discarding the Old Testament. Discarding the Old Testament. Why is this a big deal? Well, I think it's a big deal because you're going to have, just as we have an illiterate population when it comes to the Constitution, you're going to have an illiterate population of, quote-unquote, Christian evangelicals. You have to keep in mind, the only scriptures available when Jesus revealed himself were indeed the Old Testament scriptures. That was it. So I want to build a bridge back to the Old Testament. And let's just think about this for a moment. The Lord Jesus himself declared that the Old Testament, of course he didn't call it the Old Testament, it's, it's the Tanakh, the Jewish Tanakh, the, the Bible, the Torah, the prophets, the writings. He declared that those writings... He declared that those writings revealed him. Second, the disciples, the apostles, they didn't fully believe in him and his work and his death and his resurrection until they understood the Old Testament scriptures, the Jewish scriptures that they had been raised with. I was thinking of this in the first chapter of Acts. Remember when Jesus has now revealed himself to this body of believers and then suddenly he takes off. He heads for the sky. And they're caught just staring up in the sky until some angels come along and say, what are you guys staring at? You've got business to do. Get on. Preach the gospel. Spread the word. Well, the disciples, the followers, were staring into the sky because they were thinking, wait a second, what are you doing? I mean, you're supposed to reign on earth. We're going to we're going to take over the planet for the kingdom of God. Where are you going? Because they had read those Old Testament scriptures, which speak of the Messiah reigning and becoming a king. And they literally thought, well, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Certainly now he's going to be the king. They didn't understand that, no, he'll be the king when he returns again. So there's that. And then third, these apostles and prophets who were the first generation of preachers to fulfill the Great Commission based their preaching, of course, on the Old Testament. And then fourth, the apostles and their associates who wrote what we call the New Testament grounded their writings in the Old Testament. And Jesus is constantly referring to that Old Testament. And the writers of the New Testament are referring to the Old Testament so I think when we throw that part of the, the word out, we're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. And I don't know, as far as my gut is concerned, I think that could lead to gross anti-Semitism coming from people within the church. So we've got to get back to our basics. Got to get back to the basics and learn the word from Genesis to Revelation. Speaking of that, um, should we rethink the 30-minute sermon, the 45-minute sermon? Some of you may go to churches where they still do an hour sermon. You know, there's a lot of discussion about this, and a lot of young pastors are trying to be very, very relevant, and they're using a lot of um, they're using a lot of other devices in which they now share their messages. They'll use YouTube videos, they'll use graphics, etc. And some do it better than others, but what is what is happening here? You know, really and truly, the church, the church, um, which is a, a word 
that means assembly or, or congregation, that church body is a body of believers. And I believe what the pastor shares is to be for believers. And sometimes there's this effort to be so out of the box, to be able to curry favor with those who aren't believers. Listen, that's great. I'm all for evangelism. But we need to remember our audience. These are people coming to the church to be encouraged via the Word of God. So how does a pastor preach in a way that would invite life change and yet at the same time not turn God's Word into just a circus or a show? I mean, certainly you want to hold the attention of your audience. There's no question about that. But I would be, if I were going to encourage some pastors, and I'm going to be speaking to some pastors next week about this, I would encourage them to preach the Word, but at the same time, answer questions. Answer questions, because this is just what Jesus did. When you see the way he preached, oftentimes he would be preaching by asking questions. And think about this, when when you attend a church, if you do, um, or if you ever wanted to attend a church, and maybe you don't because it's, it's like, no, it's too boring, uh, or, or whatever the reason may be, uh, I, I, I totally understand that. I really, it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult for some people, even including like me, to, to find a church where I would be comfortable in. But uh, the bottom line is, uh, when that pastor is up there speaking, I think the pastor needs to be mindful of the audience. That's the number one rule of communication. Know your audience. It doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter what kind of speaking you're doing. You need to know your audience and you need to tailor the message for that audience. And so when your flock is coming on a, on a, a Sunday morning, as the case may be, to hear the pastor speak, um, I would think that they would want the word of God, but I would think that they would also want questions answered. Like, okay, what do I do with my 16 year old teenager? You know, I'm out of money. I know I'm driving a nice car and I know I got a job, but I don't have any money. My marriage, it sucks. What can you do about this? What am I supposed to do about this? Right? I mean, everyone comes with questions. And so I would hope that our pastors would address a congregation and be there to answer those questions and therefore meet the needs of the congregation. Anyway, I'm going to be talking to a group of pastors about that next week, and I'm really excited to do that. This has been Hidden Headlines for the third week of March 2019. All of these stories and more can be found at briansussman.com. And by the way, I'd like to thank you for your support on the Another Chance podcast, also found at my website. The fifth episode about my friend Sam, who committed a terrible crime at the age of 17 and was recently pardoned by the state of California. That's gotten a lot of attention. And I do, again, appreciate you getting the word out about the Another Chance podcast. I've got another one in the works. And man, is it a mind blower. It has to do with a millennial who has her head on straight and is preaching the word of God to women in the restaurant beverage industry. She's got a Bible study of 200 ladies who have primarily been working at bars all of their lives. And now 
Many of them have been converted and they're working in the churches. What an amazing story that's upcoming. Again, BrianSussman.com. Also, Brian Sussman Show on Facebook, Brian Sussman Show on Instagram, and Brian underscore Sussman on Twitter. Thanks for joining me. Hidden Headlines. I'm Brian Sussman.